midlife. The Midwest. It's the middle class. The millennials. Baby boomers. West Coast. East Coast. The far right. The far left. What we need is some middle ground. Middle ground. Middle. Middle. Middle ground. Uh, welcome to Middle Ground. I'm Chris Otto. And I'm uh, Chris Kelsch. Uh, a couple of guys uh, in the middle of everything, including life and age and uh, what have you. But the And the country. And the country. Don't <laughs> the forget country, the country. Of course. So there's a geographic uh, meaning to all this, but also uh, just two guys trying to figure it all out. Uh, That's check right. Us, uh, out. This week, this week we're going to try to figure it out by talking to V, because this week's guest is a response. This is the first time this has happened here on Middle Ground, by the way. But this week's guest is in response to a previous guest, episode eight, putting the M in BDSM. A lot of you listen to it. It's gotten, it's by far our most listened to episode and we got a big response to it. And one of the people who responded said, uh, I'm a lot older than them. I'm a lot more mature than them. I would like to respond and maybe add some, some insight and some color and some background to BDSM, to power exchange relationships, the daddy, little girl, master slave dynamic that seems so common in the BDSM world and we're all being educated about this together so we're all in this together don't feel mm-hmm. alone out there Chris you're not alone I'm not alone listener you while you're working out you're in your car you're doing your thing you're not alone on this BDS yeah, ju- no, journey not. and I rarely no. go to the library and check out books anymore but uh, this is one no. subject I've actually gone to the library and read up uh, on so. exactly and let, let's let's come let's just come out and admit it we've all googled it since then M <laughs> and introduced us to a whole new world so V that was M this is going to be V V is going to join us and she's going to talk BDSM in an intelligent mature way and I think I think you're all really going to like it. Right, exactly. Well, you can send us an email, Chris and Chris MG at gmail.com. That's right. And uh, if you've got show ideas, if you want to be a guest, if you got stuff you want to say, suggestions, stuff like that, by all or means. Or if you fucking you- hate us and you think we're a couple <laughs> of dicks, just let us know. That would be cool. We'll read it on air. We'll, we'll yeah, read it be- word for word, verbatim, on air. If, it, yeah. if, it's, if it's well written and you spell everything correctly. You'd be helping us on our path. Um, absolutely and so what else is going on i uh it's been a stressful week how are you doing it has been a stressful week but thank god we have a uh, memorial weekend coming up what do you well you and i actually share some memorial weekend plans this weekend we're gonna see each other on friday yeah you and i are gonna meet in the thriving metropolis of downtown detroit courtesy of one-time middle ground guest rick broida you and i are gonna meet that's right downtown detroit and we are gonna be trapped in a room with a zombie I have always wanted to be trapped in a room with a zombie, and uh, especially with you, frankly. Yeah, I and have been. Unfortunately, there were women I was dating, but this is an opportunity to try. <laughs> Thank you. That's you a good a, description a, for a first date, trapped in a yeah. room with a zombie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be fun. Rick actually – he Rick talked quite a bit about that on his episode, which I, I don't know, episode four or five early on. Uh, great episode, Rick Broida, Cheapskate. And uh, produces this sh- this sh- participatory theatrical uh, experiential event, I think, trapped in a room with a zombie downtown Detroit, and we're going to try it for the first time on a Friday night. Yeah, uh, thanks, and, to, uh... thanks to Rick. I just got one thing. I uh, it's been a stressful week. I might have to. I'm in the, the no man's land where I'm either going to have to find another roommate. Move out of my apartment, 
or do nothing at all and stay. Those are the three things that are up in the air right now. Wait, it's so 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 what's going it's on? A, Your roommate's a, a woman. My right? roommate it lives in San Francisco. He made a lot of money in IT and he bought a condo, but he got a huge tech job out in San Francisco. He kept his condo and he sublets the condo. It's a two bedroom condo and he does it with two different leases. So each person is a subleaser or I'm not I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. People, you know, my roommate uh, that I have now, you know, she's young, she's in her 20s, she's actually from Michigan, and, you know, just like people in their 20s and 30s are very transient. You get jobs, you move, you might come Wait, up with a better opportunity, so you, this so and that. So you live with a woman in her early 20s? Right. Is she attractive? Have we talked about this before? Is she attractive? No, we haven't. I don't want to talk about this. Because no, is, is she attractive, though? I just want to know. Some people would find her attractive. How many people? Like, out of 100%, how many percent would find her attractive? I don't make me do this. Like 50%, uh, like 50%, yeah, 75%, 90% of people? No, 50% would find 50% of people would find her attractive. So uh, not that attractive, basically? Don't make me do this. What if she listens? She doesn't listen. Nobody listens to this. You I and I know, listen to it. I know, I know. Uh, really cool girl, but but bottom line is, you know, we got to figure out what we're gonna do. So that's what we're trying well, to figure she's, out. She's she's okay. So you're being cagey about it, which means less than fifty percent, which means she's moving out as soon as she hears this. So what are Absolutely. you gonna do when she moves out? I have to find a new roommate, or I might <laughs> or I might move out myself. <laughs> sorry, sorry, man. I'm sorry. We just we just negatively impacted your living arrangements here it's on, all right. Don't on worry, middle don't ground. Worry. Um, wow. Well, that kind of sucks. Yeah, so trying to, and this came up. You know, I'm I'm not going to be in town this weekend. This would be the weekend, obviously, to get the ads out on Craigslist and get all the stuff taken care of. Blah blah blah. I don't know. The timing is terrible, so I'm a little stressed out. The good news is I don't eat when I'm stressed out, so I've dropped five ten pounds. So it's wow. I look amazing, right? So you must be down to like what two thirty, two thirty five. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else do I have for you? I don't have any Tinder or Match updates. Right, Louise, Louise just got excited. Louise, no, no Tinder no. update. No, put no. it away. Put Turn the music off. No, there's no Tinder update off. this week. Remember, Turn he has the sore in his face. He's giving up. Hey. Yeah. Okay. She's not a lot going on this week in the news. I think the whole world is got a Trump hangover. Basically, <laughs> I think that everyone's hunkered down, thinking, really, really, really. This is what we have. I think you're that's hunkered what... down, and then you're kind of there's a there's the whole the whole country's going through that period of self doubt where they're like, you know, it was it was like right after nine eleven, the last time the country went through this, where people are laying in bed at night going, "What could I have done? Didn't I see this coming? <laughs> wow, you're comparing. Was, was I was, you're, was you're... I asleep at the wheel? What <laughs> I should have seen this coming. This is partly my fault. So you're comparing the near inevitability of Donald Trump being the nominee for the Republican uh, nomination for president of the United States to uh, 9/11. There's not many things that cause this country to pause and reflect. It's not a very reflective country. It moves forward. It's still addicted to capitalism and has a lot of energy and there's stuff going on, entertainment, internet, blah blah blah. So there's not that many things that make us pause and reflect. 9-11 would be one, and God help us, the election of Donald Trump better be the other. That's that's all well, I'm saying. Well, you know, two of the most disappointed people in America over the last year are have to be David Letterman and Jon Stewart. Because they stepped aside just before all this bullshit happened. And this is, if there's ever a time to be a comic or a comedian, this is it. 
some there's i'm glad you mentioned that there's got to be more to that there's got to be more what do you mean there just has to be why would those guys have stepped aside and missed this I guess they, well, no one saw this coming a year ago. No one well, saw it coming. Yeah, yeah you can't. Right. I mean, look, Letterman's a smart guy. John Stewart's a smart guy. But they've both been doing their thing for a long time. they got to step aside sometime. And who, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Are you a, uh, I'll tell you what, you know, who hasn't been doing the job. I'm sorry. He just doesn't have the chops. And I know I'm kind of um, piling on here. But Trevor Noah is not cutting it. Oh, good God. No. He's not. You know what I mean? He just doesn't have that. He just doesn't have that sharp edge. He doesn't have it. I, I'm glad you brought that up because here's something that's been bothering me over the last few years, and I'm finally, I'm glad I finally have a vehicle with which to vent my frustration. Uh, this is America. We're Americans, right? We're very egotistical. We're very self-centered. All we care about is ourselves. What is the deal with this trend of hiring foreign-born? guys huh, yeah, to be taught exactly. late night talk show hosts with an accent first you start out with piers morgan takes over for the, larry king he did the yeah he did the michael jackson documentary and that was it he, he's right? terrible that's how he got famous yeah he's terrible he's terrible he was horrible as the successor to larry king and then you had craig ferguson craig ferguson oh, yeah he was okay yeah. he was drew carey's boss fine he's like a minimal side character on the drew carey show but he didn't deserve his own freaking talk show who was he banging to get a talk show he tanks after a few years and his scottish humor wore out and then james corden takes over for him a fat chubby cherubic humorous little dancer singer broadway guy from england also and now we have trevor noah from south africa and he's got the accent america doesn't like their late night entertainers to have foreign accents we want Johnny Carson. We want David right. Letterman. That guy's got to be, and I'll, I'll, I'll even be more of a snob, that guy's got to be the guy that everybody likes. So, and you Yes! He's got to be, it helps, it really helps if he's from the Midwest. It's just a, a call, call me old-fashioned, call me, but Carson was a Midwest guy. It, it's this British thing. Like, uh, we're Americans, we're stupid, so we need British people to entertain us because they sound more intelligent and entertaining and they talk funny. It's such well, bullshit. And let they, me say this, people, for on, on a programming note. If you're looking for a British guy to entertain you and you want that type of thing, skip the American shows altogether, pop on the BBC and watch Graham Norton do a talk Yes. Show. That's how it's done. Absolutely. Watch that guy. Because he does it in England. He's 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 very English and British. His humor is British, and he's playing to a British audience. That's the way it yeah. should be. Yeah. That's the way it should that's, be. Anyway, okay, true. enough of that. You know what? It's time for dick pics, my friend. Dick pics. Excellent. I'm going to stick with the obvious here. I'm not been, I'm not blowing anyone away here. But uh, Bill Cosby, back in the news. I think he is 50. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> You're not picking my dick to go into the gelatin pudding. No, it's not Jello that kind of dick pudding. <laughs> These are terrible, Bill Cosby. Oh, they're horrible. But he doesn't. But he deserves horrible, but he, it. He deserves it. He doesn't deserve a good imitation anymore. <laughs> So uh, that's my dick pick. What a dick. My dick pick this week, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, who came out this week with their official endorsement of Donald Trump to be president of the United States. Shocker to everyone who owns a gun and uh, who pays attention to anything. 
because we all know the typical Donald Trump voter is the white middle class out of work and or right. retired gun owner who thinks the Democrats right. are going to come to their house and take their guns away from them if they are elected into office. And uh, to your credit, you've been on this earlier than a lot of people just because you've been living in Michigan and kind of sniffing around and talking to people. But let's, yeah, let's face that, it. I scooped it. I scooped it. Middle ground had the scoop. You've had it for gun a owners. couple months now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Gun owners and Donald Trump go together like Ramalamalana ringity dingy dong. So there you go. The entire NRA. What a dick. Time to get to this week's guest. We don't actually know, we don't have a lot of personal information about this week's guest, but all we really need to know is that she's got information and insight into the BDSM world, into power exchange relationships, the whole daddy little girl thing, the master slave thing, to take it a step further. She's from Texas. That's all she'll tell us. And frankly, we don't want to know any more than that because you crazy people out there are going to try to track her down. And we don't want that. We don't want to be responsible for that. Chris, do we want to be responsible for that? No, we've said it from day one. This is a safe zone for you to come in here and express yourself. Abso-frickin-lutely. Middle ground equals safe zone. So uh, take a listen to V. She's got some incredible, really some, some pretty insightful, mature, amazing, terrific things to say about... Uh, getting involved with a an ownership power exchange master slave relationship so if you're looking for something that you're really not finding in your dating life this might be something you want to consider let's bring on this week's guest v Okay, so V, welcome to Middle Ground. Welcome, V. Thank you. Thank you. We, it's taken a while for us to get you here, but we got our technology figured out, and you're, uh, you're here in the middle with Chris and Chris. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel um, nervous and okay. <laughs> Just to give the, our, our <laughs> listeners a visual, you're in the middle of the two of us. You're in between us. <laughs> Uh, yes, I am. So already with the titillating humor. <laughs> it's always best to be the meat. <laughs> it, yeah, well, yeah. That's why we call this middle ground. You think we were kidding? So I just want to set this up a bit. You're the first person to actually be on the show that sort of expands on a subject that we talked about earlier. Uh, episode eight, which I think you and I have discussed a little bit, uh, the fact that it has become by far our most popular episode. I think it's doubled the next listen to episode in terms of the number of people who download and listen. So it's an extremely popular, if controversial topic, BDSM and power exchange relationships. Um, and you and I talked uh, after uh, the M episode and you had quite a few sort of reactions to it, thoughts about it and things that you felt you really could expand on. Is that is that a good way to characterize our conversation? Yes, um, I think that a lot of people like the word that you used earlier think it's um, out there, but if you get to understand it, and it doesn't seem that out there. Yeah, I think it's not as weird as people think it is. Yeah, and we talked about with M, we talked about the fact that when BDSM is is brought up in polite conversation, it uh, it, it it conjures images of whips and chains and black Whip. leather and all that stuff. But yes. it's, you are telling me it's not that at all. So why, why don't you, I guess we can start. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the relationship you're in? You're married, but you do have a relationship that's similar to the one we've heard about before. What's, why don't you tell us about that? 
I am in a 24 7 365 total power exchange consent non consent dynamic all that means is that he does his thing and I follow his lead that's it in what way in every way or just in certain areas of your lives yes in every aspect but it doesn't mean that I don't give my opinion it doesn't mean that my opinion isn't asked for it doesn't mean that you know to him it means well I'm the dominant so I can do whatever the hell I want it dominance doesn't mean that to him so in reality these relationships are what those words mean to those individuals if to someone being a dominant means I'm gonna be a total asshole then that's what the relationship is going to be right if someone says I'm gonna be a total doormat and never call him out on anything never say anything never give my opinion that's the relationship is going to be now that's okay if two people negotiated and agreed to that it's there's nothing wrong with it when it becomes wrong is when it's non-consensual for one party how long have you been married 18 years 18 well, no 15 years i'm sorry i'm wrong 15 <laughs> years we've been together 18 oh okay 18 years together and you have children yes okay um one so did you agree did you agree to the basic parameters of the relationship before you got serious or a few months into the relationship i mean how does it how does it actually happen you meet this person and, and uh, we've talked a little it, bit about the power exchanges and stuff like that but when you decide that someone is for you like this man is for you <clears throat> what do you guys do lay out guidelines this is this is what's allowed this is what isn't tell me a little bit about that process it happens differently for everybody. Everybody's experience is different. Um, some people actually sit down and negotiate it. And for some people, it just happens. For us, it was more of a, it just happened from day one. Probably from our first date, I saw myself giving this person certain authority, like choosing what I ate. As we got together, we... Um, we started outlining and talking about what would be acceptable for the both of us. Does he still choose what you eat? Um, he orders for me every time we go out. Now, yes, he orders for me, but he does it within the confines of who I am. For example, he knows that I don't eat onions. You could thread me with death and I'm not eating onions. <laughs> so he will never order a plate of onions for me Correct. or anything with onions. You know, he's actually told a waiter before, uh, pretend she's allergic to onions. So, and you like that. So you don't have to deal with talking to the waiter or the waitress and you would prefer that he handles it. I like that. Actually, yes. And I think that's the one thing about power exchange. A lot of people think it's abusive. He does, you know, he tells her what to do, what to eat. But no, I like it. So do you, does he dress you or choose your clothing? He doesn't lay out my clothes for me. Some people do that. That's not him. It's not something that he wants to do. What he does is when we go shopping... He goes with me mm -hmm. and I'll buy stuff that I know he likes. And if he doesn't like what I'm going to buy, he tells me, no, that's not going home with us. And <laughs> when we're going out, um, if he sees me walking down the stairs or leaving the bedroom and I'm wearing something that he doesn't like, he'll say, let's try that again, baby. Oh. And I'll go and change. Um, if he likes something, he, he doesn't say anything. So here, him not saying anything means I'm doing good. Him saying Let's do it again. Let's, you know, let's go change or whatever it is. It means that uh, he wants me to change. How would this be different than a marriage where the man, the husband is just kind of a little bossy? 
a great question, Chris. Because I, I, I mean, because I, I think Chris and I, I are kind of looking that, for that deal. It's different. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think. You know, you know I, it's, like I, I had, I've had relatives, for example, where the, my uncle was kind of bossy, and you know, he told told my aunt, "Oh, don't eat that, or don't wear that. You look terrible in that, or whatever." I mean, it, there seems to be a thin line, and I, you know, I don't think those people would ever characterize themselves as as being in a power exchange relationship or a BDSM type relationship. So how how what pushes it into the realm of kink or BDSM as a power exchange? What's the difference? What pushes it to the realm of power exchange is that if something is going on and I genuinely don't like it and I don't want to do it, I'm not finding any pleasure out of it. And But he is and he wants to and I'm not in harm's way. I will not end up in the ER. He's still going to do it. What pleasure does that give you? I don't understand. I don't understand the dynamic. Like you're, you're describing the relationship and I'm seeing what I can see what kind of pleasure he's getting off, you know, getting off and telling you what to do and stuff. But what do you derive from it? What do you get out of it? What do I get out of it? I get to be married to the most amazing man I've ever met. Wow. I get to be loved by him. I get to I, I I'm happy with him. I get to be happy in my life. Does it ease you or sort of relieve you of burdens of making decisions in your life about what to eat, looking at a menu when you're at the restaurant, you just know he's going to deal with it or buying, you know, shopping for clothing or is it, does it, you're giving him the decision-making power in so many different areas of your life. Is that, is it just easier for you that way? Or do you, does it turn you on that you know every decision he makes for you is pleasing him? No, I he doesn't have the authority because it's it's easier for me or because I don't want to make decisions or don't want to take control. To the contrary, I'm a very in control, make decisions, bossy person. Um, really? It's just that, that our relationship, yes. That's interesting. Okay. Um, I'm not giving up control because I can't handle it or because I have a job that's so stressful and... I got to give up some form of control. No, that's not why I give it up. I give it up because that's what makes sense in my dynamic. That's what I have to do to be a part of his life. That's what I want to do. What sort of examples uh, do you try and set for your children, I guess? And what what try and culture and environment are you trying to create in your household? And how do you want them to grow up, I guess is, is what I'm asking. The example that we always try to set for our son is that he has two parents that love each other, two parents that respect each other, two parents in a happy relationship. That's all he's ever seen. Um, Now, has he seen his mom occasionally upset with his dad? Yes. Does he know that his mother defers to his father? Yes. Does he know that his father gets the final say-so? Yes. But that still doesn't mean that my son puts me second in any way. Disrespect has never been allowed here. Just because I'm in submission to my husband or I'm slavish to him in certain ways, submissive to him, doesn't mean that he would allow our son or anybody else to disrespect me just because of that. So your your husband obviously has a great deal of respect for you and holds you in high regard even though he sort of sees you in a way in, as being in service to him. I don't even know that he sees me as being in service to him. And this is going to sound really weird. Um, I am the most important being in his life. Right. Um, I am... Let me just say this, okay? His nickname for me sometimes is Goddess. Oh, so he's putting you on a pedestal, <laughs> in a sense. 
In a sense, yes. But he, but he also reserves the right to tell her when to get off it. So it's it's kind of both. <laughs> so he can put her on the pedestal, but when he says get off it, she has to climb down. I, I think I understand it's what's going on here. It's time to get off it. Yeah. And, and you know, I think I get it. You know, Chris, um, that is true. That is true because there were times where he would treat me like so like that I was just so amazing that I would forget. And he would, you know, say, hey, you know, let's not forget who's in charge here. Let's not forget who's, you know, technically who's the boss. So and that's what I like about this dynamic, um, that I can be me and he can be himself. But we can still have a harmonious relationship. One of the guests, we, the first guest we had on, M, uh, she was experiencing some of these things, um, and she lived in Massachusetts, one of the most liberal states. We don't want to give away too much about these people, but we'll just say that she lived in, in that area. You live... Well, she was in, from, Bo- from Boston. Right. We, we said that. Right. She was from Boston. And so, um, and I know that you live in Texas, which is notoriously one of the you know, biggest red, red states. What is it like, or does it affect you at all, living in such a, um, I want I want to, what do I want to say? Because I, I know there's parts of Texas, like Austin and some other areas that are a little bit more liberal, but does the environment you guys live in, the actual area that you live in, uh, are you affected by that at all, or do you think about that at all, or do you generally think about Texas in those terms, or can you talk a little bit about that? I don't think about it. I, it's never affected me. Um, I've never hidden my relationship dynamic from anyone, but it's never really affected me. Are you part of a community there where you live of people who are of a like mind? Yes, we are. We go to, uh, well, we haven't gone in a while, but we are members of a munch here. Um, it's one of the biggest one in, in, um, the, in the area here. You almost said Houston. I heard, I heard Houston. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're going we're gonna to edit that out. It's only one of the edit top that five. Out, okay. One of the top five largest cities in America. No one will find you. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, but, I imagine all big cities have, and they call them munches. That's a, 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 munches, a gathering. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, and we go, and, you know, you go there, and there's lawyers, there's um, nurses, there's people from everywhere <laughs> um, ambulances standing by outside there's all, <laughs> all kinds of no no no, no. the munches aren't like that nice no the munches are very um you're dressed casual you go you eat lunch and they have a discussion about whatever people are discussing at that moment whatever it is but i'm also a, I, I attend the mass meetings more than anything that's actually one of my favorite meetings because it's geared towards power exchange relationships um, the other munch that we go, it's more geared towards kink, but you know, kink for us is the icing on the cake. Our foundation is our relationship dynamic, which is the power exchange. Him be, having the authority. Obviously, I think Chris and I both want to get to the kink, but I, first I want to ask. So you, 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 <laughs> you obviously heard the interview with M. There's no daddy little girl dynamic. No, God, no. So. God, but no. you did. But you did use the word slavish. So, is there a master-slave element to it? Yes, there is a master-slave. He is my master. I am his slave. I am a slave to his will, to his ways. Where do we find women like you? I don't understand. Um, <laughs> uh, so, do you, do you call any, him uh, master? V, V, do you have any sisters? Yes. In the Chicago, in the Chicago yes, area. Yes, I do have sisters, actually. Is there a W, an X, a Y, or a Z around that we can? Uh... <laughs> I, we all know there's no, a I W do have in sisters. Texas. They're Chris both Jeez. very beautiful. <laughs> X, yeah, I want the X. 
Actually, one of them is single, but she would totally be the master. Oh, in the that's relationship. fine. Yeah, that's not a problem at all. I'm totally up <laughs> okay, for that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't that make... That's Kelsh. Yeah. That's Kelsh speaking, by the way. That's yeah. not Otto. That's yeah, Kelsh. I, I tell you what, I don't. I'm tired of decisions. I go into a restaurant. I don't know what to eat. If she wants to order me a pizza. That's fine. She can, and here's another thing. She can have the clicker. She can have it. I'm done with the darn thing. So give her, give her my number, and my, uh, my, um, you know, my, my contact details, and we could work something out. So you would make a great slave, then. Yeah. You know, if you just want to give somebody the remote control, that would be I'm awesome. That's slave. all it takes. I'm a great. Oh, in fact, I'm watching Gladiator on TV right now as we're watching this. I would be great at this stuff. I, I just, I really. <laughs> okay, it. wait. I, first, I have two things to say about that. You're watching television while we're interviewing no, I'm V. No, it's a rerun of Gladiator, Chris Russell Crowe. Okay. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. But okay. secondly, you are, you are kind of, I, I think I'm kind of the master of the podcast, and you're kind of the slave. I think yeah. we have the same dynamic. <laughs> it's working yeah. out great, isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, Chris, 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 wait, it's very interesting that you would say that because every relationship, I don't care who it is, there's always someone that's more dominant than sure. the other partner. Right. There's, there, it, yeah, I yeah, agree always with that. Is. I, can I see agree that. with that. Yeah. And it's a question um, of what, what things what do extent? you want to give up control over? What things aren't that important to you? Exactly. Right. But what's interesting about exactly. what you and your husband have done is you've discussed it. It's out there. It's open. You've put labels on it. I mean, to the point where you're saying master-slave and here are here are the parameters. I, I think most couples, and you're right, there are a lot of couples out there living a 1950s marriage where the man is the breadwinner, he goes to work, he comes home at five, and she's got dinner on the table, and she's expected to do the laundry and clean and all that stuff. I mean, there's a master-slave element to that, but it's never discussed. It's, it's <laughs> hidden in the closet. Nobody talks about it. You've brought that out into the open and defined it, and that's what I find so fascinating. Yes. All right. Yes, we discussed it um, in the sense that, you know, who's going to do what in the relationship? All right. Um, Who's going to have the authority? Who's going to have the final say-so? And that's always going to be him. You know, for example, when we bought our house that we live in now, he didn't ask me, let's go look at houses. Let's go buy a house. We're going to buy a house. He came home one day and he said, hey, let's go look at the house that I bought. Oh, Oh, so this isn't a partnership at all. Well... It is a partnership because when I went to look at that house, I was a little bit hesitant because I, you know, like naturally I would be scared because I haven't seen it. I don't know it. But when I saw it, the moment that I saw it, I realized that he had, he knew me. Ah. He had picked so many elements in that house that were for me. Right. He didn't just go pick whatever he wanted or whatever he, forget what she wants or forget what she thinks and feels. He's never done that. And that's one of the things that I... I like in this relationship that I feel like I matter. Even though I'll do anything for him, I do anything for him. Somehow, even when I'm doing something that I don't want to do, I feel like I matter. So if he came home from work after a really busy day and sat down on the couch, took off his shoes and his socks, and he said, I need you to lick the bottoms of my feet for about 20 minutes, you would do that? You know, interesting you would ask that because I would do it, but he would never ask that of me. It's just wow. not him. <laughs> All right, I like I like that answer, but 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 I would do it. But you would do it. You wouldn't even question it. You'd say okay. I wouldn't even question it. There is nothing in this world that I would not do for him, uh, and I'm very we're here vocal about this that. Evening to dispel that and find out what the limit is. There's a limit. <laughs> we all three of us know what it is. God bless it. Let's find it. So okay, you will lick the bottom of his feet. That's on the table. Fine. <laughs> But we're going to keep probing a little bit, and we're going to find it. 
want to find okay, it. Okay, which is a great which is a great segue to <laughs> the cake. You only have an hour, Chris. Yeah. It's not long enough. I know. We got that's why I'm trying to hurry this along. I want to get to the kink, <laughs> the kink. All right. So, the kinky stuff. So, are you, you know, uh, M talked a lot about impact play and she uh, in fact, she made a statement um, that I think you and I discussed before this interview that she loved was turned on by being slapped across the face. And are you guys into that impact play? Do you, does he hit you with tools and toys? Do you enjoy being beaten, <laughs> for for lack of a better phrase? You know, he flogs me. Um, he does have a whip. He has a lot of toys. Um, but he doesn't beat me. I don't feel like he beats me. He's never slapped my face. Number one, it's not his thing. Number two, if we had got, if at the beginning of this relationship, if I had gotten into it and he was doing those things, it, we would have been incompatible. That doesn't work for me. Does is he um, being slapped in the face? Is or, he an alpha in other parts of his life? Is he a business leader, or can you describe? Can you describe him a little bit without giving too much away? Can you paint a picture of, of him for us? Yes, he is part owner of a company. He is the kind of guy that when there's a group of people, they always throw him in the front to lead the group. You know, he has really good leadership skills. He's well, that's just this is my personal opinion, but he's sexier than the hinges of hell to me. <laughs> but um, sexier than the hinges of hell. The hinges of hell. Yeah, I love that I, phrase. You know, so I we're still in hell after now. 18 we're years. We're in hell I, now. We're getting closer. <laughs> we're getting closer. Okay. <laughs> no, we're we're just on the hinges of hell. The door. We don't we don't know if the door is open or closed. We're just on the hinges of we'll it. We'll get there. We'll get there. This is what um, I figured. This is kind of what no, I. No, but what he I, is a leader. Yeah, he's a leader. He is a leader type. You know, he is a type that takes charge when he needs to, when no one is there. He's a type that will take it if he feels it's his responsibility, his duty. Now, also, you know, there's a lot of dominant males that, you know, well, I'll never follow anybody. I'm always the leader. He's not that type. He, I, I admired that about him. He's ex-military, so he understands mm. the importance of being able to follow. Right. He understands the importance of being able to be a good judge of character of people. But ex-military, so that okay, th- that fills in a little bit yes, of the blanks here because you, yes, he he gives orders and he expects the orders to be followed. God, unit, country, core. No, I'm, I got that wrong. <laughs> it's, I know I, I know I messed that up, but I, it's in um, there somewhere. Pretty much yes, but it, it's just the way that he does it. You know, he doesn't do it in an asshole-ish no, or dickish way. Right. Is he uh, is he of the same descent you are? Same nationality? Yeah, you sound you you are Hispanic, uh, well, right? I can we can. I am Hispanic, yep. and he is Hispanic, but I call him a coconut. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what punishment? What punishment he, he do cannot, you get when you call him coconut? A spanking, usually, but <laughs> he doesn't. Um, like when I met him, he didn't speak Spanish. His family, it's like. Like, they were in Texas before Texas belonged to the United States. Oh, he's a real Texan. So, wow. So he's like, you know. Pre-Sam Houston. He's been That's here incredible. before the border got drawn. Yeah, he's, he's a real Texan. So are you, were you born in the U.S.? Uh, no, I was not. Oh, okay. I was well, born in another country, and my mother moved here, and um, I'm stuck here because he's here now. <laughs> well, if, look, if Donald, Actually, if, Donald, uh, if Donald Trump if, is elected, we're all stuck here, sweetheart. That's all I have to say. No, I'm sorry. If, unless, if, Donald, unless, if Donald Trump is elected, she's not stuck here. She's out of here. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, yes, actually, I'm thinking about Canada. <laughs> yeah, well, we Canada's all looking we, really good. We can all live in a big house and your husband can be the master. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Never mind. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Um, so I'm, curi- <laughs> I'm curious, uh, does your son, has he, does, do you think he has any indication of the dynamic his parents have? Or do you ever think when he grows up and leaves the home and learns about the world and thinks back, oh, wow, okay, there was something different about my parents? I'm very blessed in the sense that we received a son that helped us raise him because he is really smart. He um, he knows that his parents have a particular dynamic, but he knows that not every relationship does. He knows that his mother defers to his father, but he knows that not every woman does, nor does he think that every woman should. He's going to be 21 this year, so he's pretty much has his, his own mind. Now, I'm not growing up with his father. You know, he has picked up certain things like he's very much the dominant in his relationships. I've noticed that about him. Mm. Um, but he's more of a, well, both of them are nurturing dominants, you know, where they're not what I would call dickish, I guess, right. or mean, or asshole. Right. Now, at the beginning, when he started dating, we did see that, you know, maybe he talked to his girlfriend in a manner that we thought disrespectful. And his father did say, you know, hey, that's not the way you talk to women. That's not the way you talk to your woman. So he, he has a tremendous respect for women, for you. He yes. sees that his father respects you. Yes, and actually I think he's more scared of me than he is of his father. What about your friends or your family? Do they do you hide this part of your relationship from them? No, no. Everybody in my family knows that I defer to him. It, it, it got to the point where they stopped calling me asking me hey do you want to do this they would call him first and then call me and say hey we already asked him let's go do this so people have to have Um, to ask his permission to have you no no people don't have to do anything um he's my master he's not anybody else's master well okay but but right i see what you're saying but if you were wanted to go out with the girls on a on a friday you can't i would have to ask yeah, him permission right. so now they just eliminate the middleman and they go straight to him and say hey can she do this or that? so but see that's how like all my friends it's really hilarious because first they'll be saying you know he's a little bit too protective over you and then they'll be saying oh my god i want a man just like him <laughs> wow <laughs> Girls Night Out is a perfect example. I can ask him, and he'll ask me who's going to be there, who's going to be driving, who's going to be drinking, who's going to be this. And if he doesn't like everything that I'm he's, I'm saying, there's been times where he has said, okay, tell your friends that I'll drive y'all. Oh, wow. And he'll drive us from club to club, from bar to bar, and he'll sit somewhere by himself and just wait for us to say, okay, we're ready to go. Huh. Is he? I'm picturing him as a big man. Is he like over six two or something? Is he large? He's about five ten. Oh, well, how tall are you? Five ten. Just curiosity. I'm pretty short, uh, like five foot, something like. Oh, you're, yeah, you're five only foot. five feet tall. Oh, okay, wow. Yes. Let me ask you this: Are you a- are you active on? This part would fascinate me. Are you active on Facebook and Twitter or social media? And if you are. Is it something that he monitors heavily? I am active on Facebook and a few other social medias. He's aware of them. He has everything about me is open to him. I have no secrets from him. Um, if he wants a password to anything, um, he knows where the book is at that has every password. Um, let me just put it this way. I don't even close the door to the restroom. Well, neither There's do Chris, yeah, Chris and I don't either, I but we're dudes. So, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, unless we're around I just, each there's other. nothing. I think that had I been inspired, <laughs> had I been inspired to hide anything from him, I would have not been able to submit to him. It, I would have felt I was false. I was a liar. I was not, I was not true to myself. So he has access to everything. Do to, you think he derives any kind of pleasure from hiding anything from you? No. Um, and I'm going to say this, and people are probably going to think she's a liar. Or she doesn't know. But I have been in this relationship for 18 years. Um, I've never once caught him in a lie. Not one. Um, when I first moved in with him, I, you know, every guy has a porn stash. You know, so I asked him, where's yours at? Um, he's like, I don't have one. So the next day when he went to work, I tore his house upside down <laughs> looking for it. <laughs> I didn't find one. Mm. You know, um, there's just we made the decision very before we moved in together, actually, which was pretty quick for us. Um, that we would never lie to each other ever about nothing. And we would never testify against each other either. Are you both monogamous? Does he share you? Do you do you bring other people into your sex life? No. No. And I am, before I met him, I was thinking about going into polyandrous relationships, um, which is way different than polyamory and polygamy. Okay. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa. So I, just so we don't lose our uh, <laughs> some of our listeners. So poly, uh, polygamy is obviously being married to more than one person, right? Uh, yes. polyam polyamory poly polyamorous polyamory is, is a lot of love. more than one person isn't it polyamory is actually having a relationship even an intimate emotional relationship with a bunch of people with a few people um polyandry is where the men share the women damn so there's one woman and say three guys oh okay yeah okay. not interested yeah um so I, uh, <laughs> I, am, I really i gotta get out more no question about it. wow <laughs> you know what you need to start your own that's podcast what I, then yeah. i think and um, move to the western united states apparently man there's some stuff going on out there damn i am polyandrous i was polyandrous before i met him um i was actually getting ready to start a relationship in a polyandrous thing and I met him, and he's monogamous, and he made it very clear, if that's what you want, that's wonderful. You go, go do what you have to do to be happy, but if you want to be with me, I, I, I cannot do that. I do not share my women. Now, it's weird because, uh, well, to me, it's weird, actually. To him, it isn't, but prior to me, you know, he had shared before. I don't know if it's something exclusive here or what's, you know, like why it happened, but... 18 years and he's always you know it's it's not his thing it's not something that he's attracted to it's not something that he wants to do how did you meet yeah i was just gonna ask the same question did you meet in the vanilla world or in the kink world no we did not meet in the kink world actually i knew about the kink world before and i purposely chose not to be too involved in it because um i was 19 20 and I knew my chances of who I would meet in there. Um, I knew the things that could ha that could happen to me. So I just I made the choice not to be involved. But him and I met. Um, and if anybody that I know hears this story, they're gonna know who I am. By the way, so you're V from Texas. That's yeah. all we're saying. I gotta, and I have to, I'm sorry, V. I have to correct my partner. He just asked you, did you meet in the vanilla world? Or the kink world. Well, everything, is, everything is so damn black and white to him. I hate that. I, 
<laughs> well, and yeah, and we're honestly, in the vanilla world. Where are you? Oh, we're in the king we, world. Well, there is. It is. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning the would terms. Say that. Wait, a lot of people don't use those terms. A lot of people actually find them very offensive or derogatory, or a lot of people use them in derogatory manners. I don't use vanilla. I, to me, I don't compartmentalize my life like that. There is no kinky V and vanilla V. There just isn't. I'm me. Wherever, whether I'm at a munch, at a private kinky party, or at a dinner, I'm who, I'm, who I am. But, you know, just for the sake of, you know, we did meet in what would be considered the vanilla world, I suppose. Um, he called my house one night, and um, I was out on a date with someone else, obviously. But um, my sister answered. He asked her a bunch of questions. Um, she calls me. She said, I don't know what Mexican you pissed off, but he is going to come over. How did he get the... Uh, so, yeah, you're skipping the juicy part, though. He, no one just randomly <laughs> cold calls a house. How did he get the number? How well, he... this is my version of what happened, and to me, he did just cold call me no, at that moment. That but I'm getting to it, okay? I'm oh, getting to it. You're, you're burying the Wait, lead. So I came home, and I left him a message, a very rude message, actually, and he returned the call, and we talked for five seconds, and we both agreed that I wasn't the girl that he was looking for, but which, by the way, had the same name as mine, first and last name. Ah, uh, so he, and, so he uh, what, he looked you up in the white pages or called information? Damn and it. He was going down the phone book because he was looking for somebody that he had met, um, uh. and he told me this later. Um, actually, what happened was we hung up, and um, he called the other, another line that we had in our house, and... Um, he, I remember I told him, um, it's me again, idiot. <laughs> and he, the, the way that he behaved towards my negativity was very impressive to me. Well, so what um, did he do? He just, you know, he was silent for a little bit and he said, do, do I deserve that? Did I do anything to deserve that? Do you know that I'm a idiot? Or, you know, he started asking me questions and it just made me feel so tiny oh, without wow. actually hurting my feelings. And I picture it like in and, a really sexy Mexican, like almost like a Javier Bardem voice, <laughs> like where he looked at you. I'm sorry, madam, did I deserve that? Did, did I say something to you? It's going to be funny if you say that because we've gone to stores before and or a restaurant and people have actually asked him if he's Javier Bardem. <laughs> or if, Are you kidding me? He, he looks a lot Jeez, like him, which now that, everybody's going to know who I am. serious sexy. I can feel it coming through the Skype line. That is sexy. I was, I was thinking more, um, I don't know, the most interesting man in the world. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Thing. The guy with the white beard. <laughs> that's and, him. But that's going to be him know. in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe uh, who's the, who's the but, other Hispanic actor? Uh, Anthony um, Antonio Banderas, Chris. I, no, 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 no. The, older <laughs> than that, Anthony Quinn. Is it Anthony Quinn? He's dead. Come oh, on, man. <laughs> so what? That doesn't mean he was in a sexy Hispanic man. <laughs> he was never Hispanic. He, he was, was Greek. He was. He was Greek. Zorba the Greek. He was Greek. Okay, not well, Hispanic. well, actually, but he no, played I think Mexicans he was in Latin. the movies. He did not. He, he did too. He I'm going to look this up. We're coming back to this topic. I'm sorry. We're off. Okay. <laughs> we have a guest. We're not okay, being very no, nice to our guest. His, wait, his accent also is not Latin at all. Like, if you talk to him to the phone over, over the phone, you will not know that. Are you talking about Anthony Quinn Hispanic. or your yeah. husband again? I can't no, remember. I'm talking about my husband, oh, okay. about my master. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Um, we're going to wait while Chris looks this up and verifies <laughs> that I'm right. Anthony Quinn, fiddle around the roof. Was not, a lot of Mexicans he was, he was and fiddle Latin. around the roof. He was I don't Latino. Think so. He was a Latino. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, no, so he has a, he doesn't have an accent at all. Is that right? He he has a very, to me it's a very sexy. He has a very sexy southern oh, sexy. A very charming I like it. accent. I like it. He has a very sexy voice. I, like I mean, it. that's what triggered me when he first called. I'm like, "Holy crap, this man sounds like freaking really good looking." Does he like, would he would he agree to be on our podcast by any chance? Yeah. <laughs> maybe we could uh, maybe during <laughs> sweeps week or something all the women would want to listen um, to your husband. <laughs> We could have, maybe he could be a recurring character. We'll just call him Master. <laughs> Master <laughs> Master's joining us this week on Middle Ground. See, and that's the funny thing is that he is he's not one of those people that he's not into labels. Like, you know, yes, I do call him Master, but it's not every day. It's not, you know, it's those inspirational moments. It's It's not that he'll, you know, call me master today like he's never done that and if he did to me it would be so cheesy yeah, yeah. you know anyone that would ask me to call him that it'd be like wait wait where are you coming from you know what does he like in other words um i mean i know you have an interesting relationship but uh when weekend rolls around or whatever you know free time what have you what does he like to do what are his hobbies sports athletics whatever long uh, long walks on the beach pina coladas <laughs> No, he loves hunting, fishing. Um, oh, he's a man's man. Okay. He's a he's really a man's man. You uh, yes, he is. Huh. Um, I can tell you right now, my my podcast partner has a crush on your husband. I just yeah. want to tell you that he can build a house yeah. from the ground yeah. up. He, he can he can pick up a house. Yeah. He can build a house. Oh, build a house. Oh, if he can't pick it yes. up, what good is that? Right. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so let me ask you this: If you if he and maybe this was earlier in your relationship, because it sounds like you're you obey him, but if you didn't obey him, has he ever punished you? Yes, he has. How does he punish you? What's your punishment? It depends on what it is. You know, there's times where he his punishment to me is, and to me, it's it works for me. I know that someone will say, you know, that's abusive, but it's you know he'll just he he'll just not deal with me in that moment he'll pretty much i get the silent treatment for a little bit until he goes and thinks and does his thing and then he'll come back and talk to me and tell me why what's what and what went wrong and what do i need to do and what is he gonna do there's been times where yes i have been you know just picked up put over the lap and spanked Uh, and not in a good way not in a, it was it's weird because it's not a very sexy thing and i'm not into spankings or none of that but yeah it does turn me wait, on wait but he okay what's but, but think, you you said earlier he flogs you is that what's the difference yeah i he's not punishing me there's no punishment going on there it's just but he's still something we're doing because we both like it so it's just different kinds or different ways of hitting you or striking you one is out of discipline and the other one is erotic yes i i suppose you could say that yes but even in the disciplining part, he has the same mentality where he's not, you know, really, he's not upset. Well, doesn't, so does he get upset? Does he lose his temper? Yes, he, uh, I guess he has a, you know, he'll, if he doesn't really like something, he'll, he'll lose his temper, if that's what I, what you can call it. But never to the point where he has been what I consider abusive to me. Never to the point where our relationship has been damaged by it in any way. 
you're obviously very intelligent, articulate. You've raised a son who sounds like he's a, a healthy kid and on his way to a successful life. How, how do you reconcile this lifestyle that you live at home with the equality of women and all the talk in the media and all the things we hear and, you know, Gloria Steinem and everything she stood for? How, how do you reconcile those two? You seem like a pretty strong, independent woman, if I could say that. Uh, number one, I don't feel I need to reconcile it. Number two, me being... Uh, I don't call myself a feminist anymore because I have found that it's a movement that is very geared towards man hate. And as the mother of a son, I, I can't be with that. But I am a feminist in the sense that I think that women should have the choice to live their life however they want. And that's what I've done. I've lived my life. I've made my choice. And that's how I have expressed my feminism. Is your family, uh, is your family very supportive of you? Yes, my sisters, my mother, everybody is very supportive. Everybody knows that, you know, I defer to him. So how would you respond to somebody who says to you, you may have chosen this life, but you have chosen to be submissive in a very extreme way to a man and put yourself uh, inferior to him almost? And, and I, maybe that's the wrong word. But, you know, women have been fighting now for decades for equality, for opportunity, for the same opportunities that men have, for the same voice that men have. Yet in your home, his voice is the voice and you are there to submit to him and to please him. And a lot of people would have a problem with that. Well, that's because a lot of people would make the assumption that I don't have a voice, that he hinders my voice, that he hinders my personality, he hinders my life, but he doesn't. To me, the feminism thing, it's about choice. It's not about, to me, it's not about, about an opportunity to be a man. It's about the choice to live my life however I want to live it. If I want to have a career, great. Um, if I want to, you know, be the boss of my husband, wonderful. Whatever. If he lets me, whatever. Um, if my husband wants to be the boss and that's what I agreed to, then I, I made the choice. Right. So I, I guess I, I like the way you're looking at it. I, I, I just wonder if the people who are very involved in that movement, feminists, uh, would agree with you that it's about choice. I, you know, and it, I think it's for a lot of people, it's much more about equality. I don't feel like it's my responsibility. I don't have that responsibility on my shoulders. Um, women's movement, women's right, it's awesome. I... You know, I think women should have the freedom to do whatever the heck they want. And I'm using that freedom. But I don't feel that me choosing to leave my life, and I've been told this. You know, I've actually had people tell me that, you know, well, you do know you're setting the women's movement back, right? And no. No, I don't feel that. I don't feel that responsibility. I refuse to fall into that negativity. And what did you it's think of what did you think of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Was that an accurate depiction? That's man, that is crazy. Um, horribly written book, but I agree with that. I couldn't get past like page number thirty. I wanted to um, throw the book and like stab the main character in her eyeball or something, but it was horrible. But the thing is, okay, BDSM thing. A lot of people are saying that it was abusive, and I saw no abuse. Now, mind you, I did not finish reading the book. I got to page 30 and I was done but I saw the movie and it didn't look abusive to me it's just to me it's not realistic was it a realistic depiction of BDSM okay um I guess it is to somebody it wasn't to me it wasn't for my life it's different for everyone absolutely yeah and that's the whole thing about this whole 
BDSM, power exchange relationships, it's different for everybody. Everybody has their own reasons why. Everybody has their own demons in their closet. Everybody has their own whys as to why they're doing it. And for some people, it could be that there's past trauma. And some people just like, this is what I like. You know, for me, this is what I like. Nothing bad has happened. I mean, nothing horrible has happened to me in my life that would say, you know, that I could say, oh, that's why I like to be flogged. That's why I like emotional sadism. That's why I like whatever it is that I like. I just, I enjoy it. Why? I don't know. So did you have a very strong father figure growing up? Was your dad pretty, pretty strong personality? My father, I, I lived with my parents until I was four. Um, my mother moved away and I didn't see my father again until I was 30 something. My father, um, I have a close relationship with him. As far as, did he come home from work every day? And no, he did not. Do you have siblings? Yes, there's five and I'm the oldest. Wow. And I'm the boss of all of them. Uh, So do you, (laughs) you know, without getting into psychoanalysis here or anything, do you ever think about the fact that you grew up basically without a father in your life? And it sounds like probably playing a parental role to your younger younger siblings. That has nothing to do with where you are now? No, um, I don't really think that my childhood had anything to do with it. Um, It's true, I had to grow up pretty quick because I was always in charge of my siblings. I can remember, you know, being told that they were my responsibility. If something happened to one of them, I was responsible. And that's where I learned responsible leadership from my mother. You know, to her, it was very important that I was good to my siblings. So she taught me how to be a responsible leader to them. And I think that's why I, this relationship works for me because I found someone who practices what I consider responsible authority leadership. You know, just for the sake of discussion, I'll throw this out there. You were, sounds like you were forced into a responsible role at a pretty young age. And that's not a very comfortable place to be for a young child necessarily. And now it's probably feels really good to have somebody else in that role for you. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out Um, there. You know, I don't have any letters after my name. I'm just saying. It makes sense, but it makes sense. But all I can say is that when I was when I was young, that wasn't an issue for me. I never thought it wasn't my place or I never thought I wanted to be somewhere else or someone else. You know, right, right. I always did what had to be done. And part of it was be a leader to my family. And even in my relationships prior to meeting him, I was always in charge and I liked it. I like being in charge. I like getting my way, you know, so I don't I don't really think that my childhood had any much to do with me ending up in this relationship. And what kind of family does he come from? He comes from a very um, traditional family. Um, father and his mother divorced pretty when he was pretty young, but his father played a very active role in his life. He's the older he's the older sibling, too. He has a brother. He's the older sibling, too. And he's always had he, he's always had that need nurturing protector provider kind of thing so do you know did you know his mother yes is is she a submissive woman as well oh god no (laughs) um lord you talk to you look at that woman wrong and if she has a gun she'll pull it on you Uh, she is very kick butt all right so maybe it's the other direction maybe she sort of had this reign of terror over him growing up and now he wants complete control of the woman in his life no, she wasn't like that either. Um, in my opinion, she was a really good mother. I, that's right. I, 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 I didn't guess... do very well in Psych 101. It's okay. 
I guess, it, I get, you know, to me, some people are just born to be leaders and nurturers and providers and to take care of those that they consider, you know, that are around them. And a lot of people think that, you know, oh, you know, everybody gets into BDSM because they have some kind of psychological issue. And no, it's not always like that. Not everybody was molested by their daddy. Not everybody was beat by their mama. Not everybody was raped. You know, I'm one of those people who had an awesome childhood normal teenage years um i have no drama that i can say well that's why i like this well like you said and i I think you've actually made this point a couple of times that there's no one size fits all that everybody's uh view of their dynamic whether it's bdsm or power exchange or daddy little girl egalitarian yeah what or, or yeah completely traditionally equal you know whatever it is um it's you know, I hate to be cheesy about this, but I guess it's it just comes down to whether and what makes you and your partner happy. And if you're both happy, who's to say it's wrong or it's undesirable or it doesn't work or it's due to some craziness in your childhood? I mean, you know, to each his own. Yes. And there's no need to justify it. Right. You know, I, I don't need to justify my reasons or my why I'm do I'm in the relationship that I'm in. You know, all that people need to know is that I'm happy in my relationship and that's all that really matters. Right. And that's what impressed me about you is that, you know, you're a good 20 years older than uh, M was. So we sort of have these two perspectives on a very similar situation from very different um, phases of life from two women who have experienced it differently, but feel very strongly about it. And uh, I think it's actually been very valuable to get your view on it because you you're you do have the wisdom of more years and the strength of your convictions and i don't doubt for a minute that you are completely happy and that i mean 18 years of marriage and raise the child there's your evidence i've been in this relationship since i was 23 years old so you know if it wasn't the relationship for me i wouldn't be here well, this is it's been a great discussion and i want to i don't know if you've been listening to the show lately but now it's time for our three quickies Three quickies. Chris, you want to do the first quickie? <laughs> if you if you could try one thing, um, and you're still actually very young, um, if you could try one thing knowing that you couldn't fail, uh, what would you like to do with the, uh, the last part of your life? Wow. That is, if I could try just one thing, skydiving? I don't know. <laughs> skydiving, we'll take it. The judges will take it. Absolutely. <laughs> Ring it up. Skydiving. Absolutely. And remember, you can't fail. So you're just jumping out of that plane. Nothing to worry about. Awesome. All right. Number two. Any regrets? Give us a regret. And don't tell me you don't have any. That's, uh, that answer is not allowed. I, I have none. Okay. You know what? I do have a regret. Okay. This one time he took me shoe shopping and there was these shoes that I, re- that I really wanted. And he kept telling me, you know, if you really want them, take them. And I just thought, no, they're too expensive. And I made up a bunch of excuses and I did not get them. And to this day, I still regret not getting those shoes. Oh, for God's sake. We'll take it. I know. We'll take it. We'll take it. See, that's that's the point. You know, that's the point about this is that, you know, not everybody has like this very complicated, oh, my God, it's so dramatic and all this stuff is happening. Therefore, I have to submit to a man. We'll take it, and then I'll close it up with one final question. What What is the song that most uh, that you most identify with growing up? Um, anything by Depeche Mode. Oh, Ooh, you're a child of we'll the '80s. It. She's a child of the '80s. Yes. What a particular <laughs> song? Um, there's this song by Depeche Mode um, that actually has the undertones of 
master-slave relationships. I think it's called Master, but that's the one song that I remember, you know, a lot when I was hearing when I was little. That's perfect. That explains how you got to this point. <laughs> That'll do it. That's it. The teenage years, the teenage years of the formative years. Uh, I want to thank you for, We've. this has been a long time coming. You and I have had several discussions. The technology hasn't worked out as well as we would have wanted, but I'm really glad we were able to get you on here, and, and thanks for being so uh, so open with us about all this stuff. You're very welcome, and thank you for having me, and thank you for the questions. Thank you, V, for being so honest and open. I appreciate you coming on. Email chrisandchrismg at gmail.com. We are anticipating lots of questions and comments about this one, uh, and uh, have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Let's play Monster